Okay, so today I'm going to speak about the cloud. We're still busy with the cloud. We're still busy looking into the day of the Lord where He's going to appear in the clouds. Um, him, I've already spoken about, about God being the cloud. And um, when we spoke about Moses, when he went up the mountain in the previous sessions, when we spoke about we being the cloud, that he's going to appear in the clouds. So in, in that, I'm going to talk about something today um, regarding this cloud. And especially in the time we're in, we in South Africa, that's going through a difficult time politically and with violence and everything uh, on the political platform, what's going on. Uh, things are happening and I, I want to use this opportunity when we speak and it's in, uh, to, to, to bring light into these things happening. And it's not just happening in South Africa. We have something hap specific happening in South Africa with politicians. But if you look all over the world, all the world systems are being, are being tested, are being, are being pulled in directions all over the world. It's not just happening in South Africa. Each one has got their own unique thing that is happening. But I want you to realize what is happening in South Africa is not unique. It's there's stuff happening in America, Britain, and all the other countries are using the big ones, but to show you that it's happening everywhere. It's not just in the smaller countries like South Africa or, or in China. Look at what's going on in China and those places. So I want you to see this is not new. It's been going on like this for years um, in the world, but there's a reason what's going on everywhere. And I want you today to realize this when we speak about the cloud, because this will give you clarity and a, maybe a better understanding, uh, 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 a believer's understanding, not a, a worldly understanding of what's going on. All right, so I'm going to read a couple of verses. I'm going to try and go, I want to get to a certain place in this teaching, hopefully. So I'm going to push a bit. Um, so you've got to keep your ears open as you really listen to what I'm saying, because I'm going to go fast through some of the stuff. All right, so I said here, how does God look like in a cloud in action? So how do we see God when there's when he's in the cloud and there's action happening, there's a storm happening. All right. If we read in Revelations 11, 19, and we've read this every time we've spoken, there's a storm happening in Revelations. Um, in Revelations 11, there's a storm happening here. On the day of the Lord, there's a storm happening here. And I'm going to read it here. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. So the ark is becoming visible in this thing. And there were lightning and voices and thunderings and earthquakes and great hail. We spoke about those things in detail. But I want you to see there's a storm in action here in Revelations. It's not, it's not quiet, sunny, all good. There's a lot of things happening here um, in, that's happening in us as a person and also happening in the natural so we've spoken a lot about these things, but look what it says in Revelations 1.7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Okay? In the Afrikaans it says, Kijk, hy kom met die wolke. In elke oog sal hem sien. Okay? So I want to, well, I'm reading these two views so that you can see both of them are actually translated incorrectly. The King James says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, that should be in. And here in Afrikaans, it's also met and with envious. Alright? So wrongly translated. But still, that doesn't make a difference if it's wrongly translated. You still get the same idea. Luke 21, 25. Luke 21, verse 25. And there shall be signs in, in sun and moon and stars. 
And upon the earth, distress of nations. I'm repeating, there will be distress of nations. In perplexity for the roaring of the sea and the billows. Alright, and daar sal tekens wees aan die son en die maan, instead of die aarde benauwdheid van nasies, en hulle radeloosheid, wanneer see en branders dreun. That's very, very interesting what it's saying there. Perplexity, radeloosheid. So we've, I've touched on some of the stuff here, the sun and the stars and the moon, but what is this perplexity, this, this radeloosheid, what does it mean? We know the sea is symbolic of our soul or worldly systems, the sea, that's, that's just the, the prophetic of it, the, that you can must understand. And there's a storm. And he talks about this, this, this storm that's happening. So look at what's going on in South Africa this week. I think we can all agree there's, a, there's a quite a big storm happening at the moment. It's not a, a little breeze blowing. It's, it's a, there's a hectic storm going on in South Africa. As there's in some of the other countries happening as well. So when we, when we look at the word... Out of the word, you must look at what's going on around you. Not out of your feelings, out of your, your point of view, out of pol politics. None of those must be used when you look at what's going on in the world. Please. I mean, if I can ask every one of you watching this thing, what have you said about what's going on in this country this week to other people? How much of that what you said was from the word? And how much was that what was said through you, that you spoke out of your mouth, that was from your point of view, your perspective, out of what you see on social media, on media, news, news? We as believers must start functioning out of the word when we react to things happening and not our opinion. It doesn't make any difference if it's good or bad. All right. It's funny, when it's good, we say praise the Lord and amen. But when it's bad, no, it's the devil and it's this and it's that. And we go on in a, on a negative spree and we're actually promoting this negativity. So we must really look at the word when we, we get to that place where things are happening. All right, Luke 21 verse 26. And continuing, next verse. Men's hearts failing them for, for fear. Man, have I not seen that this week on social media? Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken that's what we're seeing today happening again yeah, this week things are being shaken what is this storm starting to do it's shaking stuff all right next verse verse 27 and then shall they see the son of man coming in a cloud Correctly translated, in a cloud, with power and great glory. Why glory? Because Paul said, Christ in you is the hope of glory that's going to come. Here, on the day of the Lord, he's saying, when he comes, there will be glory. Alright? All of you, most of, let me put it this way, most of you that's listening to this word by now, know that when we read these parables and stuff in the Bible, it is... Um, it is sign language that I'm using. We're looking at this in a, like in a sign language style. Um, in Afrikaans, it's a beeldspraak. Yeah? When we read this stuff, it's, it's, they're using natural things. Romans 1.20, they're using natural things to explain the spiritual meaning of it. All right? It explains actually spiritual truths, if we look at it that way. So, 
Um, Yanni always used this example, and I always remember this to make it easy. That's always worked for me. When we talk about how to look at stuff in the Bible, let's say you're driving in your car. You're driving from, from one town to the next. You're coming to George. When you're outside on the highway, on the main highway, you will see a road sign saying George. George, three kilometers stop. All right? Is that road sign George? No. That billboard sign that you see, it's not George yet. It's pointing to George, but it's not George. All right? That's what, when we read this stuff, we must understand it that in that sense that this thing you're seeing is not an actual sun or stars. It's pointing to the sun and stars, what it means, that thing. All right, once you drive into George, then you know you're in George. But that sign three kilometers away, we're not George yet. All right, so that's how we must perceive and read this stuff in our Bible. So, like I said in the beginning, things are bad in South Africa, very bad in the world. And we are programmed, unfortunately, always to see this in the negative and say it's not the Lord, it's the devil. The devil is doing A, B, and C, and we blame the devil for everything happening. And we must start, like I said, looking in the Word to see what's going on, not what we perceive or how we were maybe taught in, in whatever spiritual background you have, where you come out of, what church system or whatever you come up. So, I want to just clarify this when we go through this. What's happening in South Africa, um, the people acting by looting and by destroying property and by killing people, that's evil. That is sin. That is wrong. That's not from God. Alright? You must understand this. That's people acting in their sinful nature. Like we all did. This is just looking different than what you did. There's some of us that have stolen stuff. We just have been caught. Alright, so don't make the one sin more than the other. But I want you to see, sin is sin. These people are sinning and what is happening in the world. We condemn that. We hate that. You have the right to protect your family in this. But we don't go seek a fight. Alright? Because our enemy is against the principalities and powers. It's not about against flesh. Okay? So we don't go make war. We... Act according to what the word is saying. But the people are functioning not out of the word, the masses, they're functioning out of their sinful nature. Alright? So this storm that we read here in the Bible, Revelations 11, this Revelations 11, 19, who is the one causing this storm? Is it the devil like we always say? If we read our Bibles, we will see who is the one behind causing that storm to shake, the hail to fall, the earthquakes, all of that. Who's causing that storm inside of you? It's God. He's causing the storm. I read to you that verse where it said, um, men's hearts failing them for fear. How many of us are functioning out of fear at the moment? We must realize this is God busy doing what He said He's going to do in His Word. He's causing storms all over this world. In all governments, He's causing a storm. Each one looks different. The people's reaction in the storm is either 
following God or following their sin. That's why we condemn people killing and, and, and polluting and looting the shops and all that. That's sin. That's not God. They're using whatever's happening for their own gain, whatever their political gain might be, because it's all politics at the end of the day. But we must remember there's only one way you can, one or two ways you can react to a storm. You're either going to look at it in a godly way or you're going to look at it in a worldly way. All right? But we must know who's behind the storm so you know how to react when the storm is, is hitting. And I mean, if we look back in history, there's a lot of storms that God caused. Look in your Bible how many storms God caused. But we want to just quickly say, no, the God I serve will never do this. He's shaking nations. We read that. He's shaking governments, systems. Look in your Bible what he did to Egypt. The biggest, biggest governing uh, power that was there. He wiped them out in one second in the sea, in the Red Sea. He's shaking nations all over the place. And we must see that he's busy doing this. So that we don't go and do things out of our own thoughts and powers. And, and what it must be, always must be done out of him. So, um, but we said here, it says here, when these storms are happening, then we will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. What's, when was it? This week, where I said to somebody, I said to them, when this darkness are coming all over the world in South Africa, wherever the darkness are there, it makes me excited, not the stuff the sin people are doing, but what God is doing, because according to the word, it must get darker before the light will come. So I'm getting excited to see darkness happening in the world, even in South Africa, because I know the Bible is then true. It says this, and that means the light is going to come. We're not going to see it when it's three o'clock in the morning. You don't see the light coming, but it's coming. All right. So know that when the storms are happening in governments, in nations, look who's causing these elect governments to be shaken. All right. If we look in the Bible. Let's put it this way. Let me rattle some cages. Let me, let me get you to think but differently. When you pray, what are you praying at the moment? With storms happening, you might be in a different country with a different problems. But when, when you pray, what do you pray? You must be careful that you don't pray against what God is doing. Because that's what we sometimes do. Because we don't know what's going on. Because we only think in a worldly way. We don't think in a biblical way. We sometimes pray... Uh, against what, what God is doing. And we must actually stop that. Alright? We must realize what to pray in the time around. Um, we are programmed only to think that it's the enemy or it's the government is so bad and our ANC government or whatever government is so bad or it's Biden or it's whoever are so bad. We're so programmed in that we don't see the bigger picture what God is doing. We're looking at the sinful people and thinking we must pray against them and against what they're doing and they, they mustn't be shaken. We mustn't have trouble. Man, we, we're going to miss it if we do it that way. Here in the Revelation, we see the temple is being opened. The ark becomes visible and there's a storm. The storm causes the ark to become visible. All right. So who's causing the shaking in the world? Let's read Hebrew 12, 22. 
Hebrews 12.22 But ye are come out Mount Sion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the unnumberable company of angels. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirit of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Listen clearly what I'm reading now. See that ye refuses not him that speaketh. Don't refuse the one busy speaking. For if they escape not who refuse him that spake on the earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from that speaketh from heaven. Don't turn away from the one speaking. Listen to who's speaking, who's doing what he's doing. Whose voice then shook the earth? But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shall not uh, I shall not the earth only, but also heaven. It's going to be shaken. And this word, yet once more, signify, uh, signify the removing of things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably and reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Um, yet once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaken. Remove the things that are shaken as of things that are made. That those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Why is a storm happening? Why is God, like it says here in Hebrews, causing these storms to happen? And he says, don't go against the one speaking into the storm. In other words, don't go against the one causing the storm. Don't speak against the storm. Know what's going on in the storm. All right. What is he saying? What's the thing that's going to be shaken? In Afrikaans, wankelbaar. Wankelbaar What's the things being shaken? It's systems and governments, it says. Systems and governments will be shaken by God because they're not functioning in a godly way. Alright? Why must systems and, and governments be shaken? Because there's only one government that will stand. Only one. And that's the kingdom of God. Not the ANC. Not the left, the right wing, all this political things happening all over the earth. At the end of the day, only one kingdom will stand. That's the kingdom of God on this earth. That's why the others are going to be shaken because they're going to break. And everything's going to be shaken to see what stands after it's shaken. That's what your Bible is saying. And I know we as believers are trying to do good by praying. And we must pray. We must pray for our safety because people are acting in sin. So we must pray for our safety and it's good. But let's focus on what we're praying and how we're praying. That we don't pray against what God is doing. Alright? So what must we pray? Think about it. What, what, what are we supposed to pray then in times like this? We must actually pray. God, shake them more. Shake the governments more. If I look at South Africa, we always... 
are saying this about the ANC, that about the ANC, and they, uh, they are so busy with this. That at the moment, the ANC is being shaken. There's eruptions happening in the ANC. Isn't that what we wanted? But we're looking at the looting and making that the focus. That's just people sinning and are evil. But that's not what God wants to do. He's shaking a government, like in other countries. Why do you think Biden was elected? And not Trump again. Things are being shaken all over the world. Christians, most of them want Trump to be their president. But what does God want to, to do? We all want to have peace. But if we only have peace and light, when is Jesus going to come back? Hmm? When is that going to happen? So... Let me put it this way, the phase we are in, the time we are in is difficult for us in South Africa and for other people in the world. We are in a transition phase, it's difficult, it's not easy. The Bible doesn't say it's easy, the Bible actually says directly the opposite, it will not be easy in these times. But we cannot stand with one foot in the desert and with one foot in the promised land. You, can, you can't enter the promised land like that. You're either in the desert or you're in the promised land, one of the two, alright? But I wanted to realize the storm comes from the throne room. Um, that's why you, you see the ark, the ark being revealed there. Look at this amazing principle in Proverbs 10. Proverbs 10 verse 25. As the whirlwind passeth, so is the wicked no more. But the righteous is of everlasting foundation. When the storm happens, what happens with this, when this wind come, whirlwind come, when the storm? Who gets removed? The wicked. So that the righteous have ever, uh, everlasting foundation. The wicked get removed. Can you see the storm, is, the storm, when God brings a storm, it's got a dual purpose. There's two things that he does in a storm. Alright. The storm will take everything that is not from God and he will destroy it. Everything gets shaken. Not just the unbelievers, the world. Everything gets shaken. You and I as believers also get shaken. But that's what, that, that is not from God will, will be destroyed. It will be broken. Alright? So do you see why I'm saying that we sometimes praying against and we're praying in vain against what God is doing? That's why we must, we must know what to pray for and how to pray for. And what is He doing at the moment? In the last year, the last two years, last ten years, last hundred years, He's shaking countries and nations. He's busy with what He's doing. He knows what He's doing. So, everything that's happening in the world, in our country, is all moving in a way that is God's plan. Even though we don't see it, we have no idea how things are going to play out. But I want you to realize things are moving. The darkness are taking over because God is allowing it. Come on, He's God, He can stop anything. He's allowing things to happen because the darkness must, well, is filling the earth because he's shaking because he's got a dual purpose storm. So, like I just said, we need God's immovable kingdom to manifest on this earth. Guys, we really need to, to, to get this. Stop worrying about our governments and what's going on. Yes, we're in this, we, we're part of this, but we must look at the bigger picture. What is God doing? All right? Um, I said that the prophetic theater has changed. 
we need to know this. We are in a specific time, and we might talk about that next time, but we're in a specific time, and we need to know why and what is happening in this time. Why, why things are going on the way they're going on, and not be caught off guard with what we're praying for and how we react. Um, because it really upsets me if I see believers reacting to, in a negative way to things and spreading this propaganda that the evil people are doing. All right? I want you to realize what God's doing. Yes, we stand against evil people sinning, but we don't stand against what God's doing. But we sometimes get them mixed and we, 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 we do things wrong. 2 Peter 3 verse 8. 2 Peter 3 verse 8. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is for the Lord a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. We know this, alright? We, we by now should know this in detail. So by saying that, um, let's look at Genesis 1 verse 31. Genesis 1 31. And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Alright, so we know one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Alright, so here he's saying, uh, it says there in Genesis 1.31, man was created on the sixth day. Alright, we know one day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. We know that story, we are in the seventh day, the third day. Man was created on the sixth day. Alright, Genesis 2.1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. So on the seventh day of creation, God rested. Man was created on the sixth day. So we, as we're standing prophetically, six days of creation is past. Right? Man's rulership. Right? You must get that. It's past. We're on the, on the brink of the seventh day, stepping into the seventh day of creation. The day of rest. The seventh day is the day of rest in creation when God created the earth. And the seventh day for us, where we're stepping into, is a day of rest. Alright? You must understand that. So where is this rest going to happen? The Bible says it's in you and me. He's coming to make rest. He's resting in us. You in Him and Him in you. Alright? That's what the Word is saying. A lot of people think that the seventh day is Sunday, and then the, that's why we have our church services on Sundays, because it's the seventh day, the rest day, the Sabbath, and they, they don't work on that day and all that. Um, but if you, if you know a bit of the, the Jewish culture, and that their, day, their week actually began on a, on a Sunday. So their seventh day is the Saturday. So if you want to be correct, the actual Sabbath is on the Saturday. All right? Uh, that's why you will see uh, Jewish people, Hebrew roots people will have their church services on a Saturday. They will not work on a Saturday because that's their Sabbath, all right? Um, like we have, but it's about the seventh day, the day of rest. That's why we add it in the systems, all right? If you want to have a rest day, hey, use a Saturday. That should, publicly, that's the actual correct day to rest, but yes. But you know that we don't have hold on to the Sabbath as a day, um, you should know that we don't, that's why we don't 
see the Sabbath as a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, if you want to keep it a day for you, especially for whatever purpose, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it if you want to have a Saturday, a Sabbath or a Sunday. But yeah, I don't see that as, if we look prophetically at it, if we look at it in, in the prophetic, that's not what it's meaning. We've got to look at that also prophetically. All right. So if the seventh day is the day of rest, we are in the seventh day. It means God came where to rest? In you. The Sabbath is in you. He's in rest in you and you in Him. That's what it's talking about there. All right, not a physical day. Like we are, sometimes uh, people are, are worshipping a day. It's actually Jesus we must worship, the Sabbath. But okay, that's a total different teaching. I just wanted you to understand this. All right, so it says the same thing in Hosea 6 verse 2. We've read this so many times. After two days will He revive us. In the third day He will raise us up and we shall live in His sight. When are we going to be raised up? In the third day. We are in the third day now. Alright. Mark 1. Look what Jesus says here in Mark 9 verse 31. Mark 9 verse 31. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, uh, he shall rise the third day. And they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit on him, and shall kill him. And the the third day he shall rise again. Again, the prophetic, when we look at it for us in this day, is what has happened there. That's an image, a type, a shadow, what's going to come. And then remember the signboard of George? It's not there yet. We're not at George yet, but there's still three kilometers, but it's a sign showing you to what's to come. All right? So Mark and Hosea speaking about exactly the same thing. The third day, he's going to raise us up on the third day. He raised Jesus up on the third day. All right? It's the same thing. Remember a thousand years Let's put it this way, a thousand years back from today, a thousand years back, we couldn't teach what we're teaching today. Alright? Because it wasn't the day of the Lord yet. It wasn't revealed through the Spirit yet. That's why the people didn't teach it a thousand years ago. Because the Holy Spirit reveals what needs to be taught in a time, out of the Word. So we're in the, we're in the seventh day, we're in the third day, that's why the Holy Spirit's opened it up to people to understand the third day, to understand this, that we can speak it now. Even a hundred years back, the people didn't get this. Because it wasn't the time yet. They were not stupid that they didn't see this in the Word. The Holy Spirit didn't open it up. Alright? We must understand this. The Holy Spirit opens up the Word for the time we are in to understand it. He's alive. He's speaking to us. Alright? If we look at the time we're in, He's slowly busy revealing the third day, what's happening in the third day. But it's important. He reveals, the Word says, He reveals this stuff to the ones that love Him. I so remember that. It's for the ones that love Him. Look at the word, how does He say this? So, two days have passed. We are on the resurrection day. The third day, the resurrection day. You and I, the clouds, are going to be resurrected on the third day. We don't know when. We have no idea. We don't claim those type of stuff. But the word says, on the third day, it's going to be raised up. You and I are going to be raised up. The first day, you can look at it this way. The first day was faith. The second day, hope. Alright? The third day, we're going to function out of love. Alright? When He comes, when He restores us. And the love, that's what we're going to function out of, we said, that's a feast of tabernacles. Alright? So that's why our prayers must be different where we now. Get this. Our prayers must be different because we're stepping to the feast of tabernacles. We're not in the Passover Pentecostal time anymore. Remember when we said the three rooms 
of the tabernacle of Moses, Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles. We must stop praying out of the feast, uh, out of the Passover, and out of the Pentecost. We must pray what the Feast of Tabernacles are for, because we are on the third day. You see how we pray wrongly? Um, if we know God's plan, then we can pray according to what God's busy doing in His plan. We will not get shaken when things happen in the world. So, how do we pray in the Feast of Tabernacles? How should we pray again? I said, I asked you this earlier, how must we pray? According to the word, you must pray, Lord, let your spirit fall on all flesh. That's the Feast of Tabernacles prayer. Let your spirit fall on all flesh. But you know how we are still praying? We still pray as Paul prayed in Romans 13. The Pentecostal type of prayer. There's a place to pray like that, but we must know where and how to do that. Go look at what Romans 13 is, how you must pray, or how the, the, the people pray. Don't pray like that, like Romans 13 anymore. That's a Pentecostal, the second room time. We are stepping into the third day, you must pray differently. Because Paul said, pray, you know, for the, for the governments and corrupt and all that. We must pray, God, let your spirit come. Let your kingdom come. The governments are going to be shaken. It's actually when we pray, and I've done it also, we pray and we, we tell the Lord how bad the people are, how bad the ANC government is, how bad whatever government is, how bad the world is. Man, God knows how bad the world is. He knows how corrupt people are. You don't need to go and tell Him that. He knows it. You're not opening His eyes to something that He didn't know of. Alright, we must get our, our prayer life in, in line with what, what's the time we are in. So, I'm going to read two things in Mark now. This is where you must listen. Two parables in Mark. But I want you to see the difference between the two. It's the same thing happening, but there's a huge difference between the two. Uh, so that you can get an understanding of what's going on in the time we are in now. Publicly, spiritually. All right, prophetically. Mark 6 verse 33. This is where Jesus is multiplying the bread. Huh? We should know this story. And the people saw them departing and many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all cities and outwent them and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place. And now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about, and into the villages, and by themselves breed, uh, uh, by themselves buy, uh, buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Um, I'm going to read this again. I want you to see if you can pick this up. Listen with your spiritual ears. I'm going to repeat that what I've just read. I want you to see how to read your Bible. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. What's he saying there for us today prophetically? Hmm? Think about it. 
Isn't it like today? We have lots of churches to go buy something to eat spiritually. Of course, eat speaks about spiritual food when we think prophetically. But okay, let's call it shops. You can go to a shop just outside and buy some bread. There's shops on every corner in the towns. Alright? You see, it's the same thing they're talking about here. I hope you get it. This is a bit deeper. Alright, go out to buy something quickly. They, the disciples said, let them just go buy something quickly. Some bread, some food. Eh? Go, go to your religious gatherings, get some quick food. And it's not talking negative. I want you to see what's going on here in this Mark. What is the prophetic of Mark 6? He answered and said unto them, give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, shall we go and buy 200 pennies of bread and give them to eat? He said unto them, how many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they saw five and two fishes. Five loaves, two fishes. What does five mean? Grace. Huh? Anointing. It's the meaning of five. What's the message of Passover and Pentecost? Grace and Pentecost. Anointing. Get that. I know it's a bit deeper, but I want you to think about this. Verse 39, and he cometh them to make all sit down by companies upon the grass, the green grass. They're all sitting in little groups on the green grass, huh? lack of fellowships, house churches. See the prophetic in this. All right. Who's the shepherd? Jesus. Huh? If you see here, he's, he's feeding them here. I mean, what does Psalm 23 says? He lies me down in green pastures. He says, go sit on the green, on green grass here. Besides still waters, all right? I want you to see also here, when, when you are still a baby, a sheep, a lamb, baby, who looks after you? Who's looking after the people here? The shepherd. Huh? He's the one asking for them to get food. He was moved to give them food here, the shepherd. Verse 40, and they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. Verse 41, and when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up at the heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. Right? And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fishes. All right, 12, symbolic of perfection, kingdom, kingdom perfection. All right. Um, can you see the five loaves? Is talking about um, this Passover, the supernatural thing happening. This it moves from Passover to the Feast of Tabernacles. I'm going to show you this now. This move that's happening in the story here. All right. This is uh, remember we're talking about the storm. What's the storm doing? Moving us from Passover to the Feast of Tabernacles. That's what the storm is busy doing all over the world. Verse 44. What's going to happen in the storm? Let's look at it. Verse 44. And they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. Alright. If you look at um, when he speaks in the Bible about three men or by three zeros. It points to perfection. A perfect seed. It always speaks about a perfect seed. So if there's 5,000 men. What is it saying? It's talking about a perfect seed, the three zeros that I just said, 
on the earth, what is the purpose of the seed? That it will reproduce. That anointing, that grace, it will reproduce the 5,000. Get this, it's going to reproduce. This one seed is going to reproduce. It's going to multiply. Alright, to feed so many. It's prophetically. I hope I'm not frying some of your brains. You must really understand what I'm saying out of the story. Otherwise you're going to miss it. So that was the first multiplying. They were out here in these deserts and there was towns close by so they could go get food. But the Lord provided for them food. Um, he had five, five loaves of bread and the fishes. You see, they're not making a lot of mention about the fish. The, sin, the people in sin. Fish. Jesus, the loaf, the bread of life. Alright? It's not, about, it's not going to be about you. It's about the bread. Jesus. It's not about man. The fish. Alright? He uses the fish. Who has been busy the last thousands of years getting the harvest in? The disciples. Who handed out the, the bread here? The disciples were feeding the people here from the shepherd. Like they've been doing the past couple of thousand years. Alright? So, uh, what stood out in the charismatic movement when that started years ago? What was the thing that stood out? Anointing. Power. That's what stood out. But those things became the only things people followed. And not Jesus anymore. It got corrupted. Alright? But let's look at Mark 8. I want to give you the other story now. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and said unto them. Some of you might not even know there was two stories of feeding the, the crowds. So it's something you must know why there's two stories. I've, um, com I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. He said, again, he got a crowd of people with him. And he's again moved by compassion, the Lord. And he's saying, these people have been with me for three days. And what day are we today? The third day. Verse 3, And if I send them away, fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for... Because uh, divers of them came from far. And his disciples answered him, From which can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? Ah, they're in the wilderness. In the wilderness, note, pick this up. There's no shops. Remember the first one they could go and buy stuff at the shops in the towns, he said. Send, must we, the disciples asked, must we send them to the town so they can go buy stuff? Here in the wilderness, there's no shops. They can't go anywhere anymore. On the third day, the shops are... There's no food. Alright? Um, verse 5. And he asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. It's funny. The number three and seven, which is the same day where we are in now, is getting mentioned in this one. It wasn't in the first one when he was multiplying the bread. Seven, what does it seven means? Divine perfection. That's what the, the number seven means. What's the message of the Feast of Tabernacles? Hmm? What does the Feast of Tab Tabernacles mean? 
Is God perfecting Christ in us, the clouds? That's what it, the Feast of Tabernacles is about. He's the bread of life. God is perfecting this bread of life in us. Right? You must see the transitioning happening between the two stories. There's a different way of looking at the two stories. The first, two, the first multiplying of the bread spoke about Passover, Pentecost. When they fed them. This one is not that. This one is speaking about the Feast of Tabernacles. The third day, the seventh day. That's why there's a difference happening with the fishes in the places where the people are. Yeah, they can't go to the shops anymore. The shops are not going to feed them anymore. Alright? Verse 6 of Mark 8. And he, cometh, uh, and he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave them. And break and gave to his disciples to set before them. Again, he's using man, disciples, to feed. Alright? And they did set them before the people. And they had a few small fishes. And he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. Alright? So they did eat and were filled. And they took up and broke the meat. And that was left seven baskets. The first one, there was twelve. Here. Is seven baskets left over after everybody was filled. Divine perfection. The first story, they were in the desert. This one, they're in the wilderness. The first one, they could go and buy food, go and eat out. Yeah, they were not able to. The first one had green grass where they could sit on. This one not. Alright. There's no green grass to eat here for the sheep. So do you see in the second one, things needed to be restored? People were in need. Huh? Guys, we need to remember when Jesus prayed for people in the Bible, it's not like we do today. I mean, we do what we do today because it's what we have. But I want you to realize that we are not there yet. We have not arrived anywhere yet. Jesus didn't go and pray for a guy. Let's take an example. A guy, 38 years, lame, couldn't walk. Jesus didn't go pray for him and said, okay, now get up slowly. Uh, you know, you've got to go for some physical therapy maybe for your legs to get stronger. Don't fall over. Just slowly get up and, uh, and, and just take your time. As you walk, you will get healed and maybe by tomorrow you'll feel good. That's what we do. Come on, let's be honest. And there's nothing wrong with it, but I want you to see we're not where Jesus was. Jesus said, get up and pick up your bed and walk. He was able to carry something. His legs were, in one second, 100% restored. You see, we're not there yet. And we thank the Lord for the miracles that do happen. Because there's still miracles happening. But I want you to see, we're not there yet. That guy could get up, carry his bed and just walk out. A lot of times, if I look at disciples today, I see... Clearly that they have no idea what happened the last hundred years in revivals. Do you actually know that even in the discipleship movement today, we're not close to the revivals that happened the last hundred years? And we think we're so good with our disciples and getting this chip on the shoulder thinking we're so good in what we're doing. And again, I'm not against being a disciple. It's, we must do that because God is doing discipleship. He's opening that up again. But I want you to realize... We, we have people thinking they are so good, but that just shows me they don't know what happened the last 100 years. Because the last 100 years, every time a revival happened, the healings were massive. 
people getting saved were massive. You didn't ask people. The things just happened by the Lord, not by us. All right? So, we must keep on praying for healing. We must do what we're commanded to do. But we mustn't get to that place where we think we are so good and so busy. And that just shows we have no clue what has happened in the past, in the past hundred years. The massive things that the God has been doing. And that's going to be restored again. God is bringing discipleship back so that we can walk in humbleness until He restores us. Not walk in pride like most disciples are doing today. There's so many of them walking in pride. And luckily there's always a group that will walk in humbleness in what they're doing. Mark 8 verse 9. And they that had eaten were about 4,000. Remember? The first one were 5,000. Yes, 4,000. Alright? And he sent them away. Alright, 4 means universal. North, south, west, east is about creation. The seed. Remember, we're talking about the seed that must grow, that must grow in the earth. The seed that, that must multiply. The seed that must feed the whole world. Must the whole world must be fed like they fed here, the people here, the 4,000. The whole of creation must be fed, the four. That's why it's 4,000. He's speaking prophetically. And remember, the disciples struggled with this when they, this was happening. They didn't understand what was going on here. And you and I would have done exactly the same if we were in their shoes. But um, if we look in Mark, uh, Mark 8, verse 18, it says the following. Having eyes, see ye not. And having ears, hear ye not. And do ye not remember when I broke the five loaves among five thousand? I just want to say, you must understand what I'm reading here. Jesus is using now the first parable, the five thousand. He's talking about that here. What do you see? Jesus is trying to make a point here. He's done the two now. He's done the five thousand loaves with the twelve baskets. He's done the four thousand. With the seven baskets. And then he speaks this that he's saying here. I'm going to read for you again so you can get where I am. Having eyes, see ye not. Yet oor my jy sien nie. Having ears, but ye hear not. Dus kom ek in die begin gebid dat jylle oor moet oopwees. Your ears must be open. That's why I pray that your ears must be open. Otherwise you're not going to hear. You're going to hear, but you've got no clue what you're hearing. When I broke the five loaves among five thousand, how many baskets filled the fragments took ye up? They say unto him, 12. Verse 20. And when he, the seven among 4,000, how many baskets full up fragments took ye up? They say unto him, seven. Can you see, Jesus is playing with these two miracles against one another. He's playing them off against one another. These two miracles that he just did. He's playing it off against. That's why I said the one is going to do with the first one is going to do with the pastor, with the Pentecostal dimension of the multiplying of the bread until it gets to the second one, the Feast of Tabernacles, where things are differently done. Alright? The, the storm that we're in, where the clouds are forming, I want you guys to realize the storm is happening, the clouds are gathering, God is causing this to happen, because we are in the time of the second multiplying of the fish. Where it's going to feed the 4,000, the 4, the whole nation. This perfect seed is going to fill the whole earth. Let your spirit fall on all flesh, Lord. That's why I said we must pray that. That we know where we are. So that we don't get distracted when darkness are happening in the world. 
where darkness are getting shaken. And because of the shaking of the Lord, things happen. That sin and evil things are happening. That's not the Lord, but it's the shakening that is happening. And it's been going on for that since the time of the Bible. But I want you to see that we focus to see in what time are we in. We're in the time where we can't go and buy food anyway. We've got to trust the shepherd to feed us. All right? We've got to be fully focused in him feeding us to get us to that, that we are becoming part of his seed. Because we still need to feed the nations. Isaiah 60 says that. All right? When darkness comes, the light will come. All right? Please understand why I'm saying, go read those two parables again if you've got time. To see the difference between, I don't go into all the details. You will see nowhere is there a lot mentioned about the fish. It's about the bread. It's about Jesus on the day of the Lord coming back to his, to his clouds, coming in the clouds, becoming visible in the clouds. The bread we eat will become visible. Jesus that we eat will become visible. Alright? This storm has got two goals. Two things it's going to do. It's going to shake and everything that's not of the Lord is going to be destroyed. It's going to fall over. I'm going to talk about that next week. But that that stands will be the Lord's. So my question is, again, how did you react, how did you react this week to everything happening in the world? Were you shaken and did you fall over or did you stand? And this is not a point finger. This is for you to get correction in your lifestyle and the way you're living. Then when you're at your workplace, that you don't talk negative about all this stuff. Yes, we see the bad stuff happening, but we don't focus on that. We focus on the Lord's plan. And we pray according to the Lord's plan. We pray for protection of our families. We, we don't want the looting and the corruption to go on. But unfortunately, those are just sinful things coming out of the shakening happening all over the world. Things are, 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 are let's say, a week ago, everybody was talking about coronavirus, and now a week later, everybody's talking about the looting. Again, something happened and shook everybody. All right? No, when it's the Lord or when it's the enemy. All right? The Lord didn't cause this to people to kill one another. People are killing one another because of their sin. All right? The coronavirus is again something different that happened. All right? That thing is killing people from the virus. That can be the enemy. All right, see the difference what and where is going on what. So that we can start praying according to what the Bible is saying. Don't pray against the storm, guys. You must pray in the storm. Be in the storm. You're going to be in the storm. You're not going to miss it. The eagle doesn't miss a storm. The eagle goes through a storm. Everywhere in the Bible, the disciples went through everything. They didn't skip anything. If things get worse... You and I are going to be right in the middle of it and we should be the light shining at the end of the day. Not the ones groaning and moaning and pro proclaiming the darkness on social media, on Facebook and Twitter and all those places. We're the ones that you should know why, what is happening. That will bring you peace and not fear. That will get you where you are at a place where you can seek the Lord in the, the bad stuff happening. And yes, we all get scared when we see violence. That's human nature. We don't want violence. The Lord don't want violence. But it's man's sin causing this, his evil ways. 
And that's why I'm saying we mustn't proclaim this evil stuff because then you're just as bad as them stealing and looting. It makes you just as guilty because you're proclaiming, promoting violence. We must promote Jesus. When the stuff is happening, it is about Jesus. You must see Him in the stuff happening. Proclaim Him in this darkness to the people outside that are scared and walking in fear. Remember what I read in the beginning. All nations that are in this, that are scared, shaken. Where was it? I can see. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get to that now. But know that nations are going to be shaken. Don't be the one being shaken and falling over. Be the one standing so that people can see these things don't affect you the way it affects them. Why? Why is it not? His name is Jesus. It's about a person that you, you follow. You trust in Him. If we should something bad should happen with us, He's still the Lord. He's still the King. King of Kings. But let's start praying with the Lord with what He's doing. And not against, because we don't know what's going on. Let's, let's, let's not fight against the Lord's plan that He's busy with. Pray against protection for your loved ones and for people's businesses. We pray for that, but we we don't want to go against the Lord. So start getting your spiritual eyes open and your spiritual ears open so you can hear and see in the times where you know why things are happening the way they're happening. All right, there's a reason for things happening. The Lord's got to feed the people. We're out of Passover. We're out of Pentecost. We're in the third day now, the Feast of Tabernacles is going to happen. And we must get in line with that so that we can function out of that love. And not out of moaning and groaning. Alright? That we can function out of that love that He's going to open up for us. For those that love Him, He's going to take them into this. It's not that those that believe in a certain way. It's for those that love Him that He's going to take into this becoming His bride. It's about love. Alright?